You're listening to Car Free Midwest. We're a podcast based in Omaha, Nebraska, exploring the stories, barriers, and joys of getting around the Midwest without a car. Our goal is to build a community around more transportation equity and less car dependency. I'm Sarah Johnson. And I'm Joshua LeBure. And this is Car Car Free Midwest. Midwest. Every time lately. So good. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) It's like even worse right now because I think there's more of a delay over Zoom today for us. Oh, good. So, so Sarah, how are you? Oh, it's been uh, it's been a long week, and it's only Monday. Um, I'm all right. I I am inspired by having conversations like the one we had today. That is helpful for my brain. Yeah, I think that I get so lost in the weeds of thinking about all the things that are horrible. Yeah, that these conversations with people that are making things happen in their cities are really rejuvenating. Yes. 100%. And they bring out ideas that I already have in my head that like, uh, I need to put into action. So <laughs> yes, exactly that. I know I'm like fervently, like just furiously taking notes as he's talking like, Oh my gosh, this, 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 this organization, why should reach out to them? Oh my goodness. This it's just like helps you think about things in a different way. I'm really grateful for his time. That was cool. Well, I think one of the big themes here that I am taking away from this conversation that I hope people will also take away from it is the idea of collaborating between organizations, because if we all, all the organizations that are in a similar sphere can get together and uh, really help push the conversation forward and provide a platform for people that are wanting to get involved, that that is such a positive and uh, practical way forward. Impactful, really. Yeah. And that's what we, that's the thing that I've been struggling with lately is like, yes, I'm having a lot of conversations. Yes, I've been like working on a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, I certainly have not been working for mode shift for a long time, but like generally working toward a lot of these things for about a decade and it drives me bonkers. And then I think, oh my goodness. Okay. Bike Walk KC has 35 employees. Holy moly. No wonder they've got like a lot more to show for their work because they have people that are actually allowed to dedicate their time to this. Mm. Yeah. Just a lot. But those things have to be built, you know, and those things come from, uh, you know, people out there that are passionate about the issue, supporting these organizations and helping build them up, not only with the ideas, but also financially, as much as that's uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, part of the reason why they have 35 employees is because they have 5,000 members. So the more members that yeah. join these types of organizations and financially support and put their money behind it, the more power we build. hundred percent. And as much as like, I think that you know, it's unfortunate that we uh, have to rely so much on like nonprofits and advocacy groups and stuff like that. Um, you know, I would really like to get to a point where we just have like a justice minded, more direct democratic way of doing these things rather than just this like kind of silly version of representative democracy that's almost anti democratic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is kind of what we have now. <laughs> this is like our, our way to be able to to push the narrative. Yes. So much work to do, but you know, really ideally, you know, we, we tear down capitalism and have direct democracy in society. (laughs) Also sounds good. Yes, please. That, (laughs) um, you know, not to scare any possible West Omaha Republicans listening, but (laughs) I like to, now I just forgot the word bike partisan. Yeah. I think that was the big thing. That was the other really big takeaway too, is like, one of the things I'm always talking about is like, you know, to most people, I might sound like a Democrat or whatever, but also just like, it's the idea that most of these things to me, like transcend any kind of like political party specifically. Right. And I think that the two major political parties that we have in this society are wholly inadequate. Um, And I think Joe Biden is a huge you know, proof of that on the national scale, um, (laughs) that we can't really rely on political parties. What we need is like popular, um, mass, you know, action to push the narrative forward. That's how these things always happen. It's never with like a political party. It's always with people. um, Yeah. People. And I think that that's important to remember. And I think that there's there, regardless of like how polarized we are in this time or whatever, there are, there are, are 
things that most people want to see happen. And I think that a lot of what we talk about are things that transcend, you know, both parties and just get to the humanity of the thing that we don't want to see people in our communities dying. We don't want to see our, you know, we don't want to see individuals in our communities dying. We also don't want to see our communities dying. And we also want to have a city that's like thriving and happy and, you know, and regardless of whether they're Republicans admitted or not, I'm sure that they're not liking all this climate change that's happening. Right. Um, <laughs> and the resiliency sure. piece, yeah. you know, like that was, I like <laughs> exactly. that Michael brought yeah. that up today is like, you know, when we design cities in a different way, they actually are more resilient when we run into these, you know, disasters and yeah, yeah emergency situations like we saw with the last flood and the storm before that and the flood before that, yeah. you know, like this isn't going away. And we just got, you know, with this COVID-19, you know, like even a wedding that we thought was going to be able to, we were going to be able to go to New Orleans, you know, now is getting hit by a hurricane again. Right. Uh, They're without uh, power. Mm. Yep. And the whole city is without power and, you know, COVID is spreading. So they're canceled their wedding again. And, you know, Mm. this is just like those little things that, you know, seem kind of unimportant compared to the huge things that are happening around us, but those things build up and, Mm -hmm. and those things, you know, lead to a lot of loss of joy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Loss of joy, a lot. And it just fuels that like rage and that. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's just loss of joy. It's loss of life and loss of livelihood and loss of Mm -hmm. communities. And yeah, it's really, Ooh, it's an interesting time to be alive. And it sometimes yeah. feels funny to be like a bike advocate during like these types of things. But I can actually like, again, not to talk about Don Rowe again, but he was like, well, whatever he said, I was like, okay, bring me another excuse. I'll bust it. You know, like, oh, it's too hilly. Try an e-bike. Oh, it's too this. Try that. You know, like I will come up with a reason why bikes actually answer a lot of these questions. Like you don't like potholes. Don't force everyone to drive a car. Cars are what yeah. creates potholes. Anyway. And on I mean, and I think that's it. I think that's incredibly important. I think that, you know, and also, you know, it doesn't feel silly when we're talking about, you know, one of the main reasons why a lot of people got into bikes years ago was specifically to combat climate change. And that's and- something that we're seeing the effects of stronger and stronger and on a more local level every single week, every single day, yeah. you know. And uh, loss of income, you know, like cars are expensive. So if we're talking about like fiscal responsibility, like building for cars is expensive, owning and driving a car is expensive. You know, there's just a lot of inefficiencies when it comes to car dependency, uh, land use, you know, like, again, we could go on and on and we do, but um, yeah, I, I hope that. Yeah. And we always talk about too, even the people in the cars like hate traffic. So let's, let's relieve some of that traffic for you guys. And exactly. It really helps everybody. People know that, you know, you don't have to drive if it's not the easiest, best option to always drive, then more people will try other things. Like if transit was fare free, went further West, went more reliably North South, went more, you know, there were stops and shelters and that dignity piece again. Uh, There's just a lot of work we could do to make other options look more attractive and just safe and efficient and all the things. And if we're not really being intentional enough about that, it's no wonder that people just continue to default to their car. So with that, let's get to our conversation with Michael Kelly of Bike Walk KC. Today, our guest is Michael Kelly. He is um, with Bike Walk Kansas City, and you're the policy director. Is that right? Or just just take it away, Michael. Who are you? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Michael Kelly. I'm the policy director for Bike Walk KC. Um, I've been with Bike Walk KC since um, October of 2017. Holy cow, it's almost four years. Um, and I came into this job completely by accident, if, if you'll allow me to indulge a little bit. Um, so before I worked for Bike Walk KC, I worked for the Overland Park Chamber of Commerce. They're a suburb in uh, Kansas City on the Kansas side. And I had the opportunity to travel to Vancouver, British Columbia with my wife for our uh, honeymoon. We were up there for an entire week and we only used a car once. Everywhere else we went, we walked or we took a bus or we took the subway. I actually didn't ride a bike uh, while I was up there and I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but um, we came back to Kansas City and I'm going to work the first day we're back and I step out onto my porch and I look around and I start asking myself, you know, why can't we have this in Kansas City? 
And a couple of weeks went by and this job posting came up for a place called Bike Walk KC. Um, I didn't know what a bike walk was, still don't know what that is, but uh, it sounded like an interesting job. And so I, I applied for it. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm speaking up for bike pet issues and at city council. And here I am. That is so awesome. And so are you from Kansas City? Did you grow up there? Uh, no. So I was actually born um, in Kansas, um, actually in, in one of the suburbs of, of Kansas City, uh, Miriam. And I was raised in Georgia, uh, about 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. So we moved back to the Kansas City area in uh, 20 or 2008. And I've been in the area except for college ever since. Nice. Awesome. So these days, how do you get around Kansas City? Um, I've been increasingly uh, riding around on my e-bike. So I have um, um, a Rad Power Bike, which I uh, affectionately call a Rad Runnerford B. Hayes. Um, and I have been able to use him to ride to work. And I think the most exciting and, and calming part of my ride is riding on the new Gillum cycle tracks um, that we recently built in Midtown Kansas City. Um, so whenever I get a chance to, to ride to work, I'm always, uh, finding a way to go on that. Cause it's, it's just such a beautiful and safe, enjoyable part of my ride. That is, oh man, I'm so, just can't tell you how <laughs> excited I am that you're here right now, Michael. I have so many questions <laughs> as per usual, but you just said two things that like get my brain all fired up. One is e-bikes because like that, I don't know if you've listened to us chit chat about e-bikes before big mm -hmm. fan Omaha, super hilly. I don't know if the topography in Kansas city, I don't really know. Is it similar? Is it, it hilly or e-bikes like the it answer? Be, it is, it is deceptively hilly. Like people think, you know, Oh, it's Missouri mm -hmm. or Kansas. It's flat. And it's like, it's, it's not flat. Like there are plenty of hills around here. Um, whether you want to use an e-bike or not. Totally. So. Same <laughs> in Omaha. Everyone's like Nebraska. It's flat. It's like, uh, no riverbanks, River. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. Flat. Okay, cool. The other thing you said is protected cycle track. That is also like a hot button issue here these days. I don't know how much you pay attention to what's happening up in Omaha, but we just have a pilot protected bike Street, lane correct? from 10th on Harney all the way up to about 31st. Hey, well, congratulations to Omaha on the first, the first of hopefully many, right? <laughs> uh, here's hoping fingers crossed, toes crossed, all the things crossed, because this is just, you know, 10 years in the making and it's still <laughs> only a pilot project and it drives sure. me batty. And so I'm just wondering if you could tell us how the one you just were speaking of, uh, how that came to be. The, the easiest way to explain it for listeners is that um, Kansas City is part of, is a very big player, obviously, in our local um, metropolitan planning organization, uh, which is known as MARC, or the Mid-America Regional Council. Um, as part of their work, MARC does uh, a series of planning efforts that are called Planning Sustainable Places, where they effectively do all the work to lay the groundwork for a project to move forward. And several years ago, they actually uh, conducted a planning sustainable places uh, project for um, the Gillum corridor, where they effectively, you know, asked neighborhood residents, you know, what do you think about this? What are your challenges with transportation? What would you like to see changed? And a lot of that information was gathered, but like a lot of what happens in Kansas City, it was kind of sat on the shelf. Um, fast forward a few more years and um, one of our new council members, um, uh, Councilman Eric Bunch, who I should say is a co-founder of Bike Walk KC, my former boss and the former policy director, um, said, you know, let's, let's make a move on this. We had adopted a complete streets ordinance. We were uh, considering uh, Vision Zero uh, resolution, and it really seemed like this was something that was easy to do. It was a layup because the city was already going to be resurfacing, and so uh, Councilman Bunch basically came in and said, let's make this happen. Um, and so the project was effectively done in three parts. So you had the kind of northern portion that was done first from uh, about um, Linwood to, um, to Armour, I think. Um, and then there was another section was done to the south from our 39th Street down to, I believe it's Brush Creek. 
Um, and then the final section was the section in between Armour and 39th, and they were also able to add in a little bit more on the northern end from our Linwood up to McGee. So all told, it is um, one of the longest continuous pieces of bike infrastructure, protected or unprotected in the city. And it, it really has been um, something to behold. That's so exciting. Okay, more questions, <laughs> of, course. of course. First of all, how long is it? The whole stretch? So I, don't hold me to this, but I, I want to say it's about two miles total, okay. give or take. Cool. So, and what mm -hmm. was the timeline? Like what from from kind of inception to you can ride it how many weeks, months, years, so decades if you're Omaha? The, the full completion didn't happen until gosh, about a month ago. I mean, they were it was it was about yeah, a couple of weeks to a month ago when they were finishing the the middle section between Armour and 39th, but I mean, people were already starting to ride it when the first pieces went in and that was about Oh, I want to say sometime in, in the summer of 2020. Um, yeah, because I, and I specifically remember that because we were all at home kind of adjusting to the kind of working from home situation that, that the pandemic has created. And we were just kind of seeing the pictures and everything. And, and so, um, yeah, it, I think it was about summer to 2020 to being completed in summer of 2021. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. And it was in the like, so that's when the construction started to completion. How about like the mm -hmm. planning? Because that's the thing that like makes me want to barf in Omaha is like we talk and talk and talk and then we do some studies yeah. and then we do some surveys and then we have a plan and then we put the plan on the shelf and then talk some more and then argue about a pilot and get a private funder to do the pilot and then don't allocate money of the city budget to make it permanent. Right. So walk us through that. So the planning effort, I think, took place over over several months. But but again, like I said earlier, it, it kind of ended up on the shelf, and it really took um, some some of the city leaders coming in and saying, "Look, we we have this opportunity. We have an ordinance that specifically tells us that this is an opportunity we should take. Let's do it." Um, so, like I said, the the complete streets ordinance, I think played a really big part in kind of creating the, the glide path, or should I say bike path, that allowed uh, Gillum to come to fruition. That's awesome. So political willpower is a big, big player in this, right? That, that definitely was, was helpful with Gillum. Yeah, so, yeah. Before you yeah. had an advocate in City Hall, what did that look like? How did you, how were you, or I guess, were you able to feel like you were accomplishing things when you maybe didn't have someone that felt like on your team in the decision-making seat? So I, I kind of have to, I, I kind of have to admit that I, the, the whole time I've been there, there's been at least one or two council members who are at least willing to, to champion some of our issues. If, if not, you know, be, um, you know, bigger advocates. I, I do think that there is kind of a perception that um, Councilman Bunch is kind of the, the bike guy, even though he also is very much interested in broader uh, uh, elements of infrastructure and sustainability. Um, because of his background, that's kind of what everyone kind of looks to him for. But even before then, I think what, what really made it easier for us was that we were able to tie issues related to biking and walking to some of the other issues that folks cared about. So on our council, you have folks who come from health backgrounds, who come from uh, law enforcement, uh, law backgrounds, uh, safety backgrounds. And those are all things that we can speak to with regards to biking and walking. There's data that we can pull that shows that a certain street in someone's district does, is unsafe. We can connect them with neighborhood leaders and residents who say that they feel unsafe. and we're ultimately able to present a picture that shows that the status quo doesn't work. And the option that we're offering isn't some crazy pie in the sky. It's something that oftentimes has been sitting on the shelf. We just need someone to go out and say, do it. So. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> I am. So I big fan already, Michael Kelly, I gotta tell you. Yeah. This is your like, it's just so tough in Omaha right now. And I'm such like, I don't, I feel like I'm kind of, I try to be optimistic, but it's just been a lot of years. Like I've been in yeah. Omaha, you know, because I'm from here was away. And then I've been back for over a decade now. And it just does not feel like 
there is a champion in city hall that wants to, or even not even a champion who's going to move some of these projects forward, but it's like everyone's here. I sometimes call it status quo Maha because we are very comfy. (laughs) We're very comfy being right where we are. Um, A lot of us aren't. And a lot of us are trying to like figure out how to, you know, kind of move that forward, forward, but Mm -hmm. it's a trick. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely say being an advocate is is not easy. And and there have certainly been um, setbacks we've had here in Kansas City, but it, it being an advocate is a marathon. I, I think we, we you were talking earlier about, you know, playing volleyball and being an athlete. And I think it, it, it is very much is a very similar kind of mindset. You know that you're going to have to push through some really grueling points, but you're, you're kind of angling for that, that runner's high where you finally get everything to fall in place. It's just a matter of holding on long enough to make that happen. So, so I, I totally get it. Thank you. Yes. No, that's a good reminder. I used to, yeah, I used to do like endurance events too, like mountain bike races, 50 miles or 24 hours or like that, you know, so like maybe I'll have to just Mm -hmm. tap back in to that, that part of myself because I'm feeling like this is a losing race basically at this point, but (laughs) I hope I'm wrong. Um, You, you brought up something, well, you've brought up a few things that I want to talk about. One vision zero. That's something that Omaha Mm -hmm. has recently um, kind of adopted that and has a task force. Oh no, a task force. Um, and actually did then hire a Vision Zero coordinator who's positioned in mm. our public works department, who we have not heard peep from since he was right. hired in December. Um, do okay. you all tell me, tell me about Kansas City and Vision Zero? So Vision Zero came about really as a result of um, several high profile crashes and fatalities kind of towards the end of 2019. I think the biggest one was um, there was a, a very well-known local cyclist named Pablo Sanders Jr., who unfortunately was um, struck on a um, well-known dangerous thoroughfare in Kansas City and ultimately died of his injuries um, around Christmas time. So um, I, I do want to just, you know, take a moment to, to send my condolences again to his family and his friends. But, um, you know, after that, um, there was really this kind of groundswell of we, we, this isn't acceptable. We, we know that these things are, are preventable. We know what we can do to stop them. This has to end. And um, it was really Councilman Bunch and, and several other council members, uh, Councilwoman Robinson, Councilwoman Boo, um, and even um, Mayor Lucas um, uh, had a little bit of a hand in, in helping to move Vision Zero forward. And we were ultimately able to get a resolution adopted in May. Um, the resolution, uh, kind of like with Omaha, uh, calls for the development of a task force. And the task force's job is to develop an action plan to kind of guide Kansas City towards reaching that goal of zero traffic deaths and fatalities by the year 2030. Um, obviously kind of held up by the pandemic and everything. So the task force has still been meeting And what has really happened is that over the first several months, we've developed a a kind of short roadmap. So the roadmap is kind of meant to be a stopgap measure until we can get the full action plan developed. And that's expected sometime next year. Um, But in the meantime, the roadmap kind of gives us this kind of short laundry list of things that we can do. And it includes things like um, intersection improvements at I think six locations, Um, the installation of 50 speed humps on neighborhood streets, um, the installation of 30 miles of protected bike lanes over the next two years, and a lot of other uh, good elements. I I will say what's different from Kansas City as opposed to Omaha is we haven't hired a specific Vision Zero coordinator. However, we have taken some steps to reorganize our staff within public works. So we now have a new dedicated transportation director, which we've never had before, to help inform those efforts. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I don't know how the public works department is in Kansas City or how your planning and public works departments play well together or don't. Um, Is that a thing? 
that's an issue in other states. I would, I would say. So, so we've also had um, kind of some turnover within Public Works too, and I, I will say that the, in general, it, it appears that planning and Public Works um, do get along for the most part. And I will say that um, you know part of what what has enabled Bikewalk KC to be successful is is that we've really worked to try to cultivate relationships with folks in both planning and Public Works, um, and what I think is is helpful with that is they they now kind of reach out to us and they seek our input. Um, and I think public works has has made some some significant improvements in there. They become a little bit more ambitious now. And I think that that's good um, because, you know, how biking and walking ties in with so many of the other issues we face, we can't continue to, to do the status quo in Kansas City or in Omaha. So that's awesome. That's uh. That's exciting to hear that there was shakeup. I think one of the most, I think one of the most disheartening things for me is that, you know, I feel like there is such a recognition of humanity to like really get things kicked off. And I feel like that that empathy is like missing here. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the time that we're in or if people have like compassion fatigue or something, but you know, we just had some historic floods and didn't hear a peep from like our mayor or, you know, yeah. it's so frustrating because what it all comes down to with all this stuff. And I bring up constantly in this podcast is that, you know, all of these programs, regardless of if you hate bicycles or whatever, uh, and you love your car, like what it all comes down to for me is that all these things are about giving people dignity mm -hmm. and protecting people, including the Absolutely. people in their cars. Yeah. And, and I'll also say too, one thing that's, that's been, um, you know, somewhat, somewhat disappointing is, is that there is, there are those, uh, one or two folks, um, who ride bikes, who are just adamantly against bike infrastructure and protecting infrastructure and saying things like, it's unsafe or it's a waste of taxpayer money. And, and I find it really, really disheartening because they they really don't see it from, from the perspective of the broader community. So yeah, I, I definitely can can say that there are, are pockets of um, apathy in Kansas City, um, but thankfully we've, we've been able to kind of show that there's a broader a broader group that really does care um, here in Kansas City. So that's awesome. Uh, speaking of the broader groups, do you have a like a good coalition built with like other folks from other sectors? Like does that because that's something mm -hmm. that I feel like we need to get a lot more intentional about in Omaha is better collaboration and coalition building rather than like it's so siloed here, like whether it's public yeah. works and planning and the you know, or whether it's the community and this nonprofit doing this and this not like we I, I something that a lot of us have been saying for a long time is we need to get better as far as collaboration. Right now there's mm -hmm. an organization called the Green Omaha Coalition and Mode Shift Omaha and Green Omaha Coalition are looking at ways that we can partner and collaborate. Um, there's also mm -hmm. another organization called the Radio Talking Books service and they do a lot of work with blind and visually impaired folks and that's an overlap so i'm trying to like identify more and more collaboration options and i just kind of wondered what that looks like in kansas city yeah yeah so i, I will say and I'll, I'll use our work on decriminalization because i think it's a really good example here so um <laughs> it's another so, hot button you're um, just saying all the words i want michael this is exciting <laughs> okay i'll listen now <laughs> So, um, so yes, so all the groups that you've mentioned, so we, we've partnered with um, the local chapters of the Sierra Club, um, Environment Missouri on the sustainability front. Um, we have support uh, financially and otherwise from the Health Forward Foundation. They are the um, major um, health thinking organization here in Kansas City. Um, we have worked with the whole person, their disabled advocacy group. Um, we do work with several of the local uh, bike groups here, including the Major Taylor Cycling Club, which is uh, made up of, of Black riders, mostly east of Troost, which is our racial, our historically racial dividing line, as well as um, Black Girls Do Bike, led by Jennifer Lynn. Shout out to Jennifer Lynn and Mitchell Williams. Um, but we've also, uh, with um, decriminalization, we were able to, to kind of break new ground, and we were able to work with uh, the likes of um, the uh, National Urban League. The National Urban League was willing to help us with our efforts on that. And we had never really 
had that that kind of opportunity before. Uh, one other group I'll, I'll I definitely have to say um, beyond you know neighborhoods is um, the Casey tenants. So for folks who may not know who are listening in, the Casey tenants are a group of tenant advocates who work on a number of housing related issues and direct action, um, and they've been a very um, vocal kind of group in Kansas City, primarily on their issues, but um, we've been able to build a bit of a rapport with them and they were willing to support our efforts on decriminalization as well. So shout out to all of them and the good work that they've been doing. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of something that we've really benefited from here in Kansas City is that whenever we try to advocate for an issue um, as an organization, it's never just Bike Walk KC. We always make it a point to say, you know, um, the health advocates care about this, the neighborhoods care about this, the safety advocates care about this. And so oftentimes all we're doing is kind of bringing this to folks' attention and then allowing them to speak on it from their own perspective. Because if, if everyone was just talking about, you know, biking and walking in the context of decriminalization, no one would care. But it's when you think about it from the context of this is an environmental issue because people have to feel safe if they're going to engage in greener forms of transportation. If we talk about it from a racial justice issue where traffic stops are the most common interaction that people of color have with law enforcement, if we talk about it from the aspect of health where if we don't specifically focus on racial equity, then we're never going to make inroads on the disparities that we see, that helps to broaden the coalition, broaden the people that we can focus our efforts on flipping to support us, and ultimately ensuring that what we were advocating for gets across the Excellent. finish line. Excellent. Yes. Okay. So the decriminalization work, can you, I mean, I want to talk to you for seven hours, mm -hmm. but tell, give us a little taste <laughs> of what's going on there. Sure, sure. So, um, so follow, so really quick, decriminalization in the context of what we're talking about is um, specifically identifying and either modifying or removing entirely from the municipal code laws which lead to the over-policing of um, primarily people of color as it relates to certain activities. So in Kansas City, um, following the death of George Floyd and the protest that followed here, um, Mayor Lucas announced that he wanted to do an evaluation of the full municipal code to identify the portions that needed to be decriminalized or removed so that a situation like what happened to George Floyd wouldn't happen here. So Bike Walk KC took that as an opportunity to say, okay, let's talk about decriminalization from the perspective of biking and walking. And so uh, myself and our um, executive director, Eric Rogers, um, sat down, looked at the um, uh, municipal code, and we ultimately identified three laws that we believed were um, not we're not going to protect vulnerable road users, but would lead to over-policing. And they are um, dirty wheels. So you couldn't uh, drive a, a car or ride a bike if it were going to bring uh, foreign substances, mud or something onto city streets. Um, additionally, there was the law about bicycle inspections where a police officer could um, stop you and inspect your bike if they believed it was in a state of disrepair. And then the one that was most controversial, which got the most attention, was around jaywalking, which has been around for years and can actually trace some of its origins um, to Kansas City. Wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I um, I knew that the jaywalking one was something that I've been seeing in other communities as far as working on decriminalization stuff. Wow, uh, the dirty wheels one, that's bonkers. I don't know if Omaha has something like that, but yeah. that like very, like the, the concept of just going <laughs> through the muni code and saying, uh, not this, not this, let's look at this. How do we do that? I love that idea. Um, yeah. And that would be a lot. That's like a much more meaningful step than what we did in Omaha, which was like, the city council voted to tell the Floyd family that we felt sad. Like that's literally what Omaha did in response to that. I don't know, whatever. That's a. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice that they said that they're Action, sad about please. it, but I mean, mm -hmm. it, right. Like the, the family's been pretty adamant that they want to see something meaningful come out of his death. And that's not just at the local or state level, yes. but it's at the federal yes. level wow. as well. Okay. So, that is uh, yeah. super just exciting and interesting. And I'm going to, hope that you have great success with that and it keeps building. Another thing that I'm speaking of like reactions and policy, um, what I'm wondering mm -hmm. about is yeah. 
what Kansas City did in reaction to COVID when it comes to like creating more spaces in our streets that are for people instead of just private car storage. If anything, Omaha did nothing. Sure. Sure. So it, it did take a little bit of, of uh, doing on our part, um, but Kansas City did um, do at least some temporary changes during the pandemic. So, um, and it was done kind of in, in multiple phases. So I'll try to cover everything. And if I forget something, then my apologies to, to whoever finds out I missed something. Um, so kind of the, the first kind of big package of stuff included several key measures. So there was a modification to um, our block party permit to make it a neighborhood open streets permit where you could essentially close small portions of streets that were residential um, so that people could kind of expand out. Kids could have a, a more space to like ride on their kick scooters and ride their bikes and things like that. Um, there was a list of intersections that were identified where the signals uh, for pedestrians were made automatic. So you wouldn't have to touch them, so you wouldn't transmit COVID. Um, another thing that, that was done was there were several streets um, which were identified for at least temporary closures along certain portions. And that also included uh, pedestrian exclusive areas in parks. So um, two of our big parks, so Swope Park and Blue Valley Park had sections set up, set aside um, for, um, for those uses. And then later on, um, the city also made it possible for restaurants to create um, Park it, parklets um, so that they could have additional outdoor seating space to align with CDC uh, sitting guidelines, um, but still kind of increase uh, their, their money that they were receiving from customers during uh, the pandemic. Awesome. Wow. That's, so. I knew there was going to be, I knew your answer was going to be like, yeah, we didn't do anything. It just seems like, uh, and again, <laughs> this is like me trying to not be sad about Omaha these days. So I'm tempering it with that. Uh, but it just seems like Kansas city sees issues and then does something. And do you feel like bike walk KC is driving a lot of this stuff or like, did the city come to that realization on their own as far as reaction to COVID uh, or like who's pushing some of this stuff? So I I can't I can't say that Mike Casey would take all the credit. Like we we certainly have played our part in it, but there really is a groundswell of folks in the community who who understand the importance of space for people, of of mobility, of access, and really push their electeds to try to do something. And I think it's that constant you know beating of the drum that really gets um, electeds to to care. And and, and again. What I think has been really effective here is that we we have a city council where we're able to bring these issues to their attention in a way that that matters to them. And so, even if they may not necessarily care about biking and walking, you care about revenue for your restaurants. You want them to be able to succeed, pandemic or not. Here's a way for you to ensure that people are safe, but also that people are able to enjoy the local fare that Omaha has to offer. Um, if you care about, you know, your your tree space, I, I know that Omaha has a lot of beautiful scenery. This is a great way for you to help ensure that more people can enjoy that, regardless of whether they're visiting or whether they're a resident. And so, again, like I think being able to kind of show that there are myriad benefits of this, it's not just for people to be able to bike and walk more, but it's to make our city better and resilient, even in a time of serious crisis, is something that people can really get. That behind. is so it. Yes, it's I think the continual beating of the drum. I like how you put it. Um, and also just like recognizing because I think, you know, our I don't know if it's just like at, at some point in time, mode shift and the city kind of became a little bit more at odds. And it is I will say it's it's been a noticeable change since this. And it's not even new administration anymore. She just got elected for a third term. Anyway, there was a little bit of momentum, right. it seemed like building with the previous administration. And then, you know, eight and a half years ago, things definitely changed. And so now we're trying and we've been trying to have these conversations for that whole time. <sighs> but I think we just really need to get real about like 
just so many more voices at the table because like mode shift brings these, these, like yeah. you just said, the environmental impacts, the health impacts, the socioeconomic, like there's just so many, like we know, right. We're the advocates. We have the whole laundry list of all the things mm-hmm. and all the reasons this should be happening, not short on <laughs> studies to provide or whatever, you know, but it's, it's like, we're starting to get a bigger sure. membership and we're starting to get kind of that groundswell. Um, but it's just, whew, absolutely. Good. And if, and if I, and that, I think that's the important thing to take home is like embracing that ground, groundswell and for everyone listening, you know, like really hearing that, that it really takes like popular demand to make these things mm-hmm. happen. And then, you know, support the organizations that are maybe have more of the access and are able to do the work that um, can support it. But it really comes from the people. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I, I'd, I'd like to add really quick too is is that we we've been a little bit more fortunate in terms of being able to also cultivate some decent relationships with some of the local media. Um, I, the, there's a the local um, folks from places like our uh, NPR station, as well as um, um, a new nonprofit newsroom called The Beacon, have really done a good job of kind of showing things like the bike boom was a thing here in Kansas City, um, but also showing, you know, surveys that the city has done itself say that people care about infrastructure. They, they want to be able to be able to walk to places, to bike to places. And even if you don't care about it yourself personally, if you're an elected official, you want to be someone who is kind of, you know, listening to what is what the voices of your residents. And so a lot of times this has really helped us to be able to say, you know, it's not just the crazy bike people here in Kansas City. It's really the neighborhoods that are saying, you know, we want this. We may not know exactly what it looks like, but we want more of this. And that that really enables us to come in and say, you know that people want this. Here's the plan to say this. How can we make this? Um, how can we make this become a reality? That's awesome. Um, speaking of membership, do you have a, a large, you know, card carrying bike walk KC membership, or what does that kind of look like? And then I, I was looking at your kind of about page. Um, you know, you have a board. You have kind of tell us a little bit about the makeup of bike bike walk KC. So yeah, so so Bike Walk KC, we we are a um, member-supported nonprofit. Um, I think don't don't quote me on this part, but I think we have about five thousand members. But um, we we have um, we have been able to grow a little bit. We've gotten new members during the pandemic. People who who see the in, the impacts of it um, from the organizational side. We have about. Um, 11 to 12 full-time staff. And then when you add in our, our part-time folks as well, mostly with education, but also um, with bike share, um, we have about 35 employees all told. Um, and, and they, everyone um, contributes to making Bike Walk KC successful. Um, our, our education folks have slowly been able to do more work with folks um, at schools and our bike share team has been consistently ensuring that people could ride throughout the pandemic. So a big shout out to um, Eric Vaughn, our bike share director, as well as um, all of our bike share staff who are working every day to make that um, option of mobility available for people throughout the Kansas City region. That's awesome. So your bike share program is under the Bike Walk KC umbrella. That's cool. Yes, that's right. So, so our program is actually a, a P3 partnership. So it is a public-private nonprofit partnership. So we're the nonprofit that runs the organization. The private side is um, um, not, uh, it's, what is it? It's DROP. DROP is the, the entity which runs, which actually provides the, the, the technology. And then we also have an agreement with the city that allows us to be able to operate in Kansas City. Wow, that's cool. That's different than how it works here, but that's it's always fun to see how it works elsewhere. <laughs> that's cool. Oh wow, there. This is also so exciting. I also feel a lot better after hearing that you have like twenty-five part-time set, like thirty-five paid staff members and five thousand mm-hmm. members. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, we have like no membership compared to that. But I'm also the only paid part-time person, so we're. Well, and I mean, Omaha is is smaller than Kansas City. How many so. people are in Kansas City? Because the Omaha metro area is almost a million. By the time you bring in Papillion and Bellevue and Council Bluffs, like our metro mm-hmm. area is 
big, but yeah, about, I guess, just around 500,000 in Omaha these days. So there are 500,000 in Kansas City as of the 2020 census numbers. When you bring in all the folks from, because we're, we're on the state lines, so when you bring in folks from both Kansas and Missouri, uh, we're at about 2.1 million people. So, mm -hmm. so that yeah. is bigger than I, we're, okay. We're pretty big. That, Cause when we were talking to Sean, uh, we were like, wow, I always thought that Kansas city was way bigger than Omaha. And we're like, no, it is kind of similar, but okay. That does actually prove. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and then I also say in terms of Kansas city proper, um, our, in terms of square mileage, we're about 319 square miles. So yeah, and we're, we're massive. Uh, it is, it is definitely regional things and, and, um, different, elements. So yeah, you can, you can go to entirely different parts of the city. It feels like in, in a few minutes, if you okay. want to. Wow. Okay. That, so. that does help feel, that makes you feel a little bit better. <sighs> um, I know you are bike walk Casey, but do you all touch transit much or is that, is there a different entity? I know there are some kind of transit advocates as well, but is that a part of what you do at all? Or you just stick to kind of bike walk? We we support transit uh, from time to time, you know, um, our, so the bike share program actually is in partnership with the uh, Kansas City Area Transit Authority. Um, so there is a partnership there and there is some overlap there. In terms of dedicated advocates, the, the main organization is the Kansas City Regional Transit Alliance. So um, they do do some advocacy work and I know that they've been working on some things currently, um, but they're the main entity that deals with transit. We support it. Um, and if there's a policy that makes transit easier, then it's better for multimodality in general, but they're kind of the key folks on the transit piece. Gotcha. Is there anything I'm sometimes, again, I keep talking about how it's a bummer in Omaha and I'm going to have to change my attitude, but what I sometimes have to do is tell myself, okay, we had this little win recently. We had this little win. What are some wins that you're proud of, um, in Kansas city in the last, I don't know, year or two? I'll definitely say uh, we're, we're really proud of our work on, on decriminalization. Um, that was, that was a, big, a big win for us and it took a lot of work to get done. Um, Vision Zero is a big one. Um, the, the recent budget we, was something uh, of, of, to be proud about as well. So um, in our recent budget, we were able to get dedicated funding for 2022 onward, at least for the time being, um, dedicated funding for complete streets, dedicated funding for Vision Zero, and there's also going to be funds that um, support the transportation director and um, several of the other walking and biking elements that that we've said are important. So um, that that is something that we're really really excited about, and it means that Kansas City really is making a, a financial commitment to greater multimodality in the years to come. That's huge. Yeah, that's a big one. We just um, did not have that success, uh, but we tried. We were like, wow, okay, there's a new. Uh, bike lane and the mayor cut the ribbon on it and then put zero dollars in the budget for you know to make it permanent right. um how did y'all add like how did you organize around the budget specifically like what can we learn from that because woo. so we so we knew that there was um already going to be at least a, a little bit of funding set aside for multimodal funds in general so it was i think it was more about just protecting the funds because with the pandemic and everything coming into 2021 everyone was afraid that you know their stuff was going to get taken and so um a lot of our our work was you know you know making the case with stories that you know this is something that i have benefited from i've been able to use this to go to work i've been able to have more free space with my kids for them to be able to ride safely um, this has helped to prevent crashes. Something that I, uh, so I went, so the city of Kansas City has a series of public meetings where they sort of elicit feedback from the public to kind of help inform what they're going to um, save or cut from the budget. And one thing that um, I did when I attended these meetings was I made it a point to say um, in Missouri, we had the most pedestrian deaths in 2020 that we have ever had. Like since MoDOT has started keeping track of those records, we have had the highest number of pedestrian deaths. There is no reason why we should be, we should be cutting funding for multimodal transportation, walking, biking, transit, um, accessibility. 
um, when we are dealing with numbers like this. This tells us that we have to make a bigger commitment. And I think that ultimately that really did um, you know, make an impact on getting people to consider the broader ramifications of supporting um, Complete Streets, Vision Zero, and just a safer Kansas City for everyone. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to hear more about the this. I feel like with... <clears throat> Uh, bike walk Casey there's a lot of focus on stories um, mentioning your part like your partnerships with the media and what you were just saying about getting out the information that has been collected um, what is the kind of you know how do we do that? Yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> That's the way I'm looking for. Um, the, so, so we have we have several things that we do that I think are, are really effective. So um, one thing that we did last year that was kind of a first is um, there's a there's a, a event called World Day of Remembrance um, where you have an opportunity to share and and remember those people who have been lost to traffic violence. One thing that we did kind of in the weeks leading up to that, and we had a, in a virtual event to kind of commemorate that as well, is we invited um, some of the, the victims and the survivors um, to share their stories with us. And we shared that with um, our social media channels and others. And I think it really kind of made an impact. And, and one story that um, I'll give as an example was um, there is a, a boy named Israel Hill. He's... Um, nine years old, visiting Kansas City from um, California with his family. And he happened to fall um, into the street while playing with some friends and was um, struck and killed uh, by a driver. His grandmother, who was coming up to visit him from Arkansas, saw him for the first time in a casket. And it's stories like that that really, you know, get across that this isn't just some frivolous thing for for people in spandex like there really are implications for us choosing not to invest and support policies that will make people safer the other thing is that we have a lot of people who constantly reach out and ask us you know what is it that we can do to kind of tell our electeds tell the powers that be that this matters and so oftentimes what we're doing is kind of telling people okay hey um Folks on our advocacy mailing list, there's this policy that's been presented. It's going to do this, this, and this. Send an email to this count to your council member telling them that you support this for this reason and kind of giving them the space to talk about why it matters, but still getting them to make that specific ask of, I want you to pass this policy because this matters to me. And this is the reason why it matters. So not just kind of pulling at the heartstrings, but specifically showing that it's not just Bike Walk KC that's saying this, it's the community, it's the public. It is the people who are telling you that this has to change. That's so great. Yeah, I just, um, the humanity, I think is something that, yeah, we never can lose track of. I mean, that's why we all do this work. Uh, I had coffee this morning actually with one of our newly elected city councilors, uh, Don Rowe, if you're listening, which you said you will, thank you, sir. Um, and he, you know, like I, <laughs> Not, he probably isn't actually listening, maybe is, but he, I'm almost hopeful here again, almost being hopeful, uh, but he is new. He is a Republican in West Omaha, which is like not where, you know, East of 72nd is like kind of the core. It was a grid there used to be, you know, so he's, he's West of there, mm -hmm. um, a Republican. And he emailed me and was like, I don't think that we're hearing each other. And I want to listen. I was like, oh my gosh, no one has ever done that. Thank you for wanting to listen. Um, but he kind of, you could see him like realizing as we were talking, he's like, I got a lot of emails about the bike lane. And I was like, hmm, yeah, I know all yeah. of those people yeah. because we advocated yeah. together and our mailing list. I was like, okay, here's how you find your council person. Here's what you could maybe say. Here's, you know, so we're trying mm -hmm. to get some consistent messaging from the community so that they realize that it's not just, you know, that crazy Sarah Johnson with boat shift. Yeah. It's like a lot of us have similar feelings for different reasons and some of the same reasons, but 
for sure. And, and, and I'll say too, you know, as, as much as we can, I, I joke about this sometimes, but, but our work really is bike partisan. Like even if you, regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on, like there's something to get behind with it, uh, biking and walking with. So um, we, we have, uh, we're also part of a statewide coalition called Missourians for Responsible Transportation that has been working on distracted driving legislation. Fun fact, Missouri is one of only two states that does not have an across the board ban on distracted driving, the other one is Montana. Um, but uh, we've been working to try to get that passed. And some of the folks who have been the most adamant about trying to get something done have been Republicans. Um, and, you know, that really speaks to, you know, this is an issue that everyone should be able to get behind. We all care about safety. We all know that distracted driving is deadly. Let's figure out how we can move forward on this. So absolutely, um, regardless of the political spectrum, I think that, um, you know, walking, biking, accessibility, and transit are all things that we can all unite behind. Well, I think that's why I am so focused on the the dignity and, and protecting the families. And those families can be Democrats and Republicans and whatever. Um, so I think that that's incredibly important. And I'm glad you said that. Plus, I think party is a bad, I think political parties are a bad way to judge somebody's actual politics anyway, because <laughs> I feel like so many people are actually detached from, you know, the two broad parties that, yeah. uh, you know, we should really try to move past talking about party and actually talk about, you know, human beings and making the city a better place. Sure. Policy. Yeah. Yeah. Policy exactly. over party. Yeah. Well, I, I will definitely say um, I, even before I, um, you know, became a full-blown adult, I, I knew that Nebraska has a unicameral nonpartisan legislature. And I think that, that there are certainly lessons that we can take from that um, to, to Missouri, to Kansas, to, to other parts of the country. So yeah, but moving away from, from, political party ideology, I think, would, would be something that would benefit a lot more folks, especially in the transportation space. 100%. Um, I'm, uh, again, looking at your website, and I see a KCMO bike master plan. Omaha actually just recently voted to allow, not, uh, you said yours is Mark, ours is MAPA, Metro Area Planning Agency, is working with the city of Omaha. They just got a mini grant to work for a bike ped master plan for the city of Omaha. So Kansas city does mm -hmm. not have one now, or what's, what's the story with Kansas city and a bike ped plan? So, so remember when I was talking about setbacks. Um, okay. So the short version is that our bike plan um, or the update to our bike plan is in legislative limbo. Um, there was supposed to be a vote on it. The vote didn't happen because of politics, <laughs> funny enough. Um, and it has been kind of stuck in, in this kind of weird legislative space since then. Um, bike Walk KC has, has been adamant from the beginning that we need a full-blown bike plan. It needs to be adopted and, and, you know, trying to implement it piecemeal is, is simply not enough. But um, that, is, that is one place that's been kind of a sore spot for, for me personally because, um, the, there really is no reason that the bike plan shouldn't have been adopted then and, and shouldn't be adopted now. Like it, it's, it's, it, it is an improvement over the status quo. It will guide us towards being a more bike friendly community. And the, the rhetoric that has been, you know, thrown about about it is, is often misinformed and focused entirely on, um, the, the worst elements of, of Kansas City politics and, you know, how we, we conduct ourselves as a city. Wow. Well, Josh is messaging me like, I could talk to you about 10 million more things. Like, yeah, same. Uh, we could talk to you literally for hours. <laughs> and we would if... Even though I can barely articulate myself yeah. today. But... <laughs> <laughs> Are there any, any parting thoughts that you have? Yeah. So um, we, we are a regional organization. We, we do a lot of work in Kansas City, but we also do a lot of work in the region. And there was a, a man recently who reached out who had concerns about how um, a bike ped... A plan would, or not a bike ped plan, but a plan to remove bike ped elements near a school would impact students and other folks there. Um, so we gave them a little bit of information about the the local um, the local community improvement plans and some of that, and and he used that to advocate for those changes to be set aside and something else to be considered. 
Um, and I think that that's a really good example of, you know, it's not just about Bike Walk KC advocating for these things, it's about enabling community members and stakeholders to advocate for these things that make their community better. And so what I really hope listeners take away from this is that you don't need a, a Michael Kelly to, to be able to have a successful advocacy organization or a successful advocacy effort. You have the ability to do it. It's, it's just a matter of making sure you have a team behind you to help ensure that you are presenting a united front um, on the issue it is that you want to change. Beautiful. I love it. Enable the activists. So good. I like it. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to be with us today, Michael. Of course, of course. And, and if you guys um, ever are in Kansas City and want to check things out, please let us know. We're always happy to show folks the, the Gillum cycle track and hopefully we'll have some new stuff um, by the time you get down here. And that does it for this episode of Car Free Midwest. We're here every other week with interviews, topics, and documentary pieces covering all things transportation. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Car Free Midwest or visit us at carfreemidwest.com. So subscribe now to Car Free Midwest wherever you listen to podcasts and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash carfreemidwest. This is a production of Figure Podcasts biggerpodcasts.com with support from mode shift omaha mode shift omaha.org sarah thanks again for doing this podcast with me good times josh appreciate you